Hey, how you doing? It's Pastor Jay. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for listening. I pray that this word blesses your spirit, empowers you wherever you are, whether it be your home, your workplace, the gym, or even if you're riding in the car. Look, let's advance the kingdom by spreading this word with whoever you come in contact with. That is my ultimate goal is to spread the kingdom and the message of Jesus Christ. I love you. And once again, here's today's message. Be blessed. Uh, it's been a year of um, a year of a lot of things. And uh, on Wednesday night, I shared some things with um, with everybody and just let them know, you know, this has been a, a tough year because, uh, you know, we're still dealing with, you know, dad transitioning. Um, but we know he's in a better place. You know, he's in a better place. So I just want to say thank you all for hanging with your boy and not getting mad at a 30-year-old pastor. Hey, man, we're going to go some great places if you just hang on. Just hang on. Just hang on. I know it may be turbulent sometimes, but just hang on. We're going to some great places. I, I do feel that in my heart that God has called me to be the Joshua for this house um, because Moses has planted. Amen. And so God has called me to be the Joshua for this house and take us into the promised land. So NBCC is multicultural, NBCC is multi-ethnic, NBCC is multi-generational, and NBCC is multiplying. So this is not just going to be the, MB, the, the only NBCC location. We're going to have many locations. So get ready because God is getting ready to take us on a flight. He's getting ready. He has already changed our trajectory and he has some great things for us. So I, I say thank you all for hanging with me. Thank you for hanging with me. So thank you for allowing me to grow in this role. Um, it's a lot of growth. It's, it's, it's a lot of stuff that, I, that I'm learning as I go. And uh, General left a, he, he, he trained me well. He let me know what was coming ahead of time um, from 13 on up to 28, 29. He let me know what was going to happen. So. Thank you all for um, trusting his vision, and thank you all for um, just what all, everything you've done. And I'm so thankful for um, us not having to go through soap because when 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 pastors transition, there is so much that a church goes through, so much. But but God set up in our visionary's heart that. Um, I would, I would be the successor to him. And so we didn't have to go through a whole lot of problems and we didn't have to go through a whole lot of um, transitioning and y'all didn't have to bring in an interim pastor and it was already set in stone, amen. So I'm thankful that um, we missed that. God spared us in that. So I'm thankful, I'm thankful for that. So I'm thankful for each and every one of you. So thank you, continue to pray for me. Continue to pray for me and Lady Pilar, um, because I, I, I know that God has called us to this, and I know that we are on the right journey, we're on the right path. It gets a little discouraging sometimes, but I know that we are on the right path, and I know that where we are going, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered the heart of man what God will do for those that love him. So I am, y'all, when, when I tell y'all I'm excited, about what God, it, it, it doesn't sound like I'm excited. I'm just trying to save some energy because I don't want to 
hoop at you because I got to save some energy for this message because it's going to be a really good message. But I'm excited for what God is going to take us. He's, gonna, he's, he's taking us somewhere great. And the enemy is trying to stop this thing whichever way he can. Y'all hear me, right? Y'all hear me? Y'all hear me? The enemy tried to shut down our sound system. He tried to shut it down. Because he, he doesn't want this to flourish because he knows we are a threat to his kingdom. Look, I'm here to tear his kingdom down along with your help. I can't just do it by myself. It's going to take a team. So we're here. This house is set in this region for a reason. I believe we're going to be one of the catalysts that changes Creola. Amen. See, this is our city. This is one of our cities. This is one of our cities. This is the headquarter of our city. 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 Can't talk right. This is the headquarters of our city. So just one, just one. So God has called us to be multi-generational, multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multiplying. So what does multiplying mean? That means that, that three times three is, not, I can't see if y'all know y'all math. One times one is what? Okay, so let me ask you this biblical math. One can put a thousand to flight, two can put two thousand to flight. Ten thousands. So that's multiplication right there in effect. And so God wants to multiply us. But in order for God to multiply us, we have to obey his will. We have to obey his word. So with that being said, we are in the last Sunday of our series called Multi. Everybody say Multi. What does multi mean? Multi is a derivative of multiple, multiply. And so God has called us to be fruitful and multiply. The first thing God told us when he made us was be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. So God has called us to be fruitful and multiply. So how do we multiply? We multiply through vision. We multiply through vision. When you follow the vision of the house, that's how we multiply. So with that being said, we are in week four of multi. Have, have you all enjoyed this series? Have you gone back and listened to um, some of the previous Sundays we've had? We have it on YouTube now. We have a YouTube page. We have it on podcast, so you can listen to it anytime. You don't got to pay for it. It's free. You can watch it anytime. You can listen to it anytime. So uh, we're on YouTube. We're on Facebook Live. We are on um, this podcast channel called Anchor, but if you pull it up on your phone on iTunes, you can listen to it on iTunes. But God has blessed us this year. God has blessed us in this first year to do some great things. So we've been studying the, the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah if, and if you would, turn your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 6. And we're going to read verses 1 through 3. Nehemiah chapter 6. And we're going to read verses 1 through 3. And you have the ultimate cheat sheet. If you don't have it on your phone or in your Bibles, you can look at it on the screens. You can use your eyes to see on the screen. Some people are putting on their glasses. I got to put on glasses too. It's going to be like those old school pastors. Now you see what I'm trying to say. And they put their glasses on. You see what I'm trying to say here. But once you get to Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, if you would jump to your feet. And we'll read this together as a family, because we are family. <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. 
Now, God is about to take us somewhere great, somewhere phenomenal. And my dreams, my dreams every week have been about, have been about NBCs. I dream about it at least two times a week. And so I just want to let you all know there's going to be some new faces that come in this place. But how will the new faces come into place? How will the new faces come into place? It will come by you inviting somebody to church. I just finished this book called The Unchurched Next Door. And um, what the book was saying was that many people are looking for people to invite them to church. There's millions of people just waiting for you to say, hey, come to NBCC. Hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Millions, millions, not just one or two. There's millions of people waiting for you to invite them to church. And so our, our goal here is not, it's not about capacity. It's about eternity. It's not about capacity. It's about eternity. So could you be the holdup to someone experiencing an eternity in hell or somebody experiencing eternity in heaven because you want to invite them to church? Because we are a truth teaching church here. We just don't, we just don't just come, just don't say, hey, come to NBCC. We are a truth teaching church here. So I want you all to, I want to challenge you all this week. And I want you to pray for the opportunity for God to place somebody in your, in your line of sight, in your company, that where you can say, hey, come to NBCC. Come to NBCC. And that may be the switch that helped them change their life. And so it's, it's important. It's important. Did you know that, and I'm, I'm this not, did you know that only 21% of churchgoers invite people to their church? Only 21%. So out of 10 people in here, I could count one, two, and only those two invite people to church. It takes 85 church members to invite one Yes. So we have to change that dynamic because there's souls, there's souls waiting for us. Scripture says the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. The harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. So we have to, we have to, you heard, you heard mom say sheep beget sheep. We have to beget sheep in order to see this thing grow. It's not about capacity to me. I'm more concerned about people's souls. I'm more concerned about where will you spend eternity. I'm more concerned about do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's what I'm concerned about. And so not only you, not only you, I'm not only asking you to invite people to church, but I'm inviting people to church as well. I'm inviting people to church as well. Even the unchurched, even the people who don't look like me, I'm inviting them to church. Because I understand that God works through people, and God is looking to save people. So in order for God to save people, we as people in the house of God have to go out and get the people. We have to invite the people in. So everybody at Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. And we're going to talk more. We're going to talk more on this because my heart, I have a heart's desire to reach the unchurched. I have a heart's desire to reach the unchurched. Even some of the people who have been in church, I have a heart's desire to reach them too. Because I feel that God has called me, God has called me to break the myth of church. He's called me to break the myth of religion. He's called me to break the myth of a work salvation. He call, he's called me to break the myth of we got to live by all 613 laws. He's called, he, he's called me to break that myth. 
And next month, we're going to talk about some things um, that's going to help shift our mindset to from law to grace. Because when Jesus came, he was full of grace. He was full of truth. So Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets, right? He came to fulfill the law and the prophets. I don't know why I'm in church rules right now. But um, next month's series is going to be called Church Rules. So invite somebody to church because we're going to dispel some of these myths that, that um, thank you, we're going to dispel some of these myths that, that church has made people feel like. Because I, I talk to people every day, they feel like they got to behave before they get saved. You don't have to behave before you get saved. You don't. And so what has happened is religion has caused our mind. Why am I on this? Religion, this is prophetic. Religion has caused our minds to be so in bondage to the law that I got to get right before I can come to church. Not at NBCC. We're not, we're not, we're not, going, to, we're not going to push that agenda because that's not an agenda of love. That's not an agenda of grace. Now, 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 hear me when I say grace. Now, they can be hyper-grace now. We're not hyper-grace. We're going to be just like Jesus, full of grace, full of truth. So when somebody walks through that door that doesn't look like us, that doesn't wear the clothes that we wear, all we can do is love them. Amen. All we can do is love them. All we can do is show grace to them. All we can do is show grace and, and teach them the truth and teach them that you don't have to behave before you get saved. And you can belong before you behave. Amen. You can belong before you behave. A lot of us belong before we behave. And so we had to get in the culture to, in order to understand how to behave. And so when we get into an, a word teaching church like this, see, when we bring the people into a word teaching church like this, then we don't have to convict them. We don't have to condemn them. Because God will do the conviction. You don't, and, and, and we don't have to condemn anybody just because they don't believe what we believe. They don't address how we, we don't have to condemn anybody. And so this house is going to be a house of grace. This house is going to be a house of love. This house is going to be a house of so much love that when people come in the door, that whatever's holding them has got to fall off. It's got to fall off. And I need you to help make that happen. We need each other to help make that happen because God has called this house to a, a, a greater level, a greater dimension. And so in order for us to go to a greater dimension, we have to move our mindsets from what does NBCC do for me to what can I do for NBCC? See, a lot of people, a lot of people go to different churches and they, they get upset by what happened at this church and they get upset by what happened at that church. Look, there's no perfect church and it's okay. What can you do? What solution can you bring to make the church better? What role can you operate in to make the church better? What role can you, what, what is your calling and gifting to make the church better? Are you going out and compelling souls to come in? And hear me, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that my focus is church growth. My focus is souls. It's not about capacity. It's about eternity. And so it's not about a consumer. See, 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 see church has become consumerism because we, we are in a Western world, so it's become consumerism. You can have a seat. Sit down, sit down, sit down. <laughs> sit down, sit down, sit down. I'm not going to make y'all stand up like Ezra did in Nehemiah where he, he read the book of the law and he made everybody stand up for a long time. They stood up for hours back then listening to the law. 
But, but church has become really consumerism. And so church has become a consumer because we live in a consumer world. What, what, can you do to, what can you do for me to enhance my life? What can you do for me to make my life better? What can you say to me to make my life better? What can you think about me to make my life better? And look, I've been, I've, I've, I've been consumed in the consumerism. We've all been consumed in the consumerism. But we have to change our approach when it comes to church. We have to change our approach when it comes to church from a consumer mindset to a producer mindset. Who can I touch to help them become better? Who can I bring to church to help them live their eternity in heaven rather than in hell? Who can I, who can I, who can I encourage today? Who can I pray for today? And so that's, 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 what, that's, that's what church is about. That's what this church is about. And, and thank you, Holy Spirit, for taking us here. Um, because it, it, this really is the message because it's vision. It's the vision for the house. It's the vision for the house. And so vision, vision has opposition. Vision has opposition. So that's, that's, that's going to be what we talk about today. Just segue into that. Segue into that. So I didn't burn about 12 minutes talking about church rules. But be here next Sunday. Invite somebody next Sunday because we're going to talk about s- some things that's going to really help move our mindset from consumerism and religion to a, a mindset of Okay, God, what do I need to do to become a producer for the kingdom? A producer for the kingdom. Because God, God never called us to just be consumers, consume, 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 consume. But what has happened, we've consumed so much that we've gotten so fat that we can't even move and go out and evangelize to the people outside the walls because we just consume, consume, consume. And when you, when you consume and consume and consume, and guess what happens? You gain weight, you move slower, and so God is called, called now when you, now it's good to consume, but it's also good to share what you consume as well. So how do you share what you consume? You become a producer. You become a producer by saying, okay, um, God, allow me the opportunity to speak into somebody's life today so I can speak something that I've been consuming, that some truth that I've been consuming into somebody else's life, some love that I've been consuming. Let me speak love and let me give love to somebody else. And so when we, when we change our mindset from consumer to producer, then we start to see things happen. We start to see things multiply in our life. We start to see things multiply in our life. So vision, vision has opposition. Everybody say, everybody say vision, has vision has opposition. 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 That's what I was going to say. Well, be here. Be here next week. Be here next week. Be here next week. I'm going to give you all a topic, since y'all here, since y'all watching on live stream, I'm going to give you all a topic. Thou shalt, thou shalt only throw stones if. Thou shalt only throw stones if. Dot, dot, dot. So be here next Sunday. Invite somebody. And just, if, even if it's just one person, just invite somebody. Because we have the ability to, to pack this house out if we just invite one person. So you invite somebody. You invite somebody. So Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 3 says this. And I got to run through this. Now it came to pass when Samballot and Tobiah and Jeshem and Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall and that there was no breach left therein, though at the time I had not set up the doors upon the gates. Verse 2. 
coming. Then Sanballat and Jeshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to me to do mischief. And I sent messengers unto them, saying, highlight this in your Bibles, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? Come down to you. Let's look from God in prayer. God, we love you. We thank you. We honor you for this day. We thank you, Lord God, for what what our ears have heard and what our eyes have seen thus far. We thank you, Lord God, that this message will speak to your people, Lord God, and cause transformation in their life. We thank you for love. I thank you for moving Lester Bell Jr. out of the way and that you allow the Holy Spirit to speak through me to your people. So, God, I am a vessel to you. I become open to what you want me to say in this time, in this space, in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Verse 3, it says this, and I sent messages unto them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? I am doing a great work. And so, 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 so Sam Ballot and, and, and them, I'm going to use them because of na- them names, Sam Ballot, Tobias, Jeshem, Arabian. And uh, so we're going to say Sam Ballot and them. You know when you say Sam Ballot, you know when you say, I'm going to my mom and them house. That includes everybody, right? Right? So when I say Sam Ballot and them, that includes everybody, right? And so, and so in this, we find that Nehemiah had built the wall, right? He had, he had help to help him build the wall, restore the walls. And so what happened was there were some haters. There were some haters. He had some enemies. And the enemies tried to deter him from completing the work. See, most times the enemy would try to deter you from completing the work. But your response to the enemy has to be, I am doing a great work and I can't come down. When the enemy tries to go against your family, you got to say, I am doing a great work and I can't come down. When the enemy is trying to go against your church, you got to say, I am doing a great work and I can't come down. When the enemy is trying to go at your mind, you got to say, I am doing a great work and I can't come down. And so when, you, when, when Nehemiah said this to them, now they asked him four times after this. So they asked him for a total of five times. Nehemiah, come and meet us in the plains of Ono so we can do some mischief to you. But he kept saying to them, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. When God gives you a vision, there will be opposition that comes at you from all different directions. When God gives you a vision, there will be opposition that comes from you from all different directions. And so the bigger the vision, the bigger the opposition. The bigger the vision, the bigger the opposition. And so, so, so what are some ways that opposition comes to us? Opposition comes, away in, comes to us in three ways. Number one, vision attracts criticism. Number one, your vision will attract criticism. Why will your vision attract criticism? Because your vision is a great work, right? It's from God, right? It's a God-given vision. Because if it's not a God-given vision, it's a project. So a lot of us are working on projects instead of working on God's great vision for our life. And so when you understand that you get criticized, and I had, I had to learn this for myself, and I'm still learning this for myself, vision attracts criticism. So why does vision attract criticism? It attracts criticism because it disregards the insecurities of others. Vision attracts criticism because it disregards the insecurities of others. If someone is insecure about their life, 
and their role in the vision, it will cause them to criticize your vision. If someone is insecure in their life and in their vision, they will criticize your vision and they will do it with the quickness. What they think, who they think they is? What? Criola? They can't do this. Lester Bell Jr., he just, he just 30. And so your vision will attract criticism. See, when others criticize your vision, do not take it personally because the vision that God has placed on your life is for God to fulfill through you. See, we can't take it personally. That used to be me. I used, and just being transparent, I used to take criticism personally because I'm like, why are you talking about me like this? Like, I used to retreat, like, retreat into a shell. And like, why y'all talking about me like this? Like, what I do to you? You don't know what, what happened. I thought we was cool. But God was showing me that my vision caused them to be insecure. It disregarded their insecurities. Because they, see, see a lot of times people like, why? I, I, and I had to learn this. You can't tell your vision to everybody. Amen. Because when you tell your vision to the wrong people, they will tear your vision down. And in the process, if you allow them, they'll tear you down. And so we have to guard ourselves against crit- criticism. See, we, have to, we can't allow insecurities to discourage you from going after everything God has for you. You cannot allow insecurities to discourage you from going after everything that God has for you because that's what criticism would do. It will be like a stop sign, and it will halt you. It will... Just like that. Just like that. It'll stop you because you're so, you're, you're, the criticism, it hurts your heart. Because you're like, I hadn't criticized you. Or I hadn't criticized your vision. No matter how small it may be, I hadn't criticized it. And so when your vision is big, you're going to attract criticism. See, we can't spend more time on the one that criticized us. We have to spend time on the one that called us. Because when I spend time on the one that called us, then my, my, my focus will be on God. And the scripture says, he who keeps his mind stayed on me, he will keep them in perfect peace. And so when Sanballat and them tried to discourage Nehemiah, he kept his eyes on God because he kept his eyes on the vision that God had given him. So he kept saying to them, I am doing a great work and I can't come down. See, you can't, you, you don't allow which, listen to this. Let me slow down, because I only got 18 minutes left. Can I have an extra 30 minutes a day? <laughs> Just making sure y'all here. Don't allow which seems like to be valid criticisms deter you from the vision God has placed on your heart. Now, the, now, the, now, the, now the, the criticism may be valid, like the criticism may be you don't have the necessary experience. I'm pretty sure when I became the pastor, they told, they, they, people probably thought, you don't have the necessary experience. But they don't know what's been happening all of these years of my life. They don't know that General had been training me. They don't know that God had been setting me apart. They don't know that God had been saving me from death. They don't know that. And so when people don't know, see, people usually criticize what they don't know. And so you can criticize something from the outside, but you can't criticize it from the inside. Because, because, Proximity determines your perspective. Proximity determines your perspective. So if my proximity is, is on the outside looking in, then that's all I see. But when I understand when you are in it, then, 
you're closer, you're closer to it than the person on the outside. And so we have to understand that it's not about the people on the outside. It's about the person who called me because God qualifies the call. See, God never, God never, God never told them to call me. God called me. And so when I understand that God gave me this vision, it's not about what others say. It's about what God says. And so when I understand it's about what God says, then I will start to move and flow in my vision. See, we have to be like the horse that, you know, like the horse that has blinders when they're when they racing. That, that actually sounds pretty good. I like that. I'm going to have to just hold my hands like this the whole time. What y'all think about this? I think I could do it. Uh, my arms would probably be hurting all day, every day. I had to go to the gym like three times a day so I can make sure my elbows are strong. But we have to be like the horses that have blinders. Because when the horses have blinders, they are not focused to the... See, when they're racing, they're not focused on the horse over here. Like, how fast they going? Or how fast they going? They're focused on how fast they're going. They're going straight ahead. And so we have to take that same mindset when it comes to our vision. When it comes to our vision, we have to understand that I am doing a great work and I can't come down. Who is who, a man like me that should come down from a great work that God has called me to? So, people... People, um, people will criticize what they don't know. Critics try to control by keeping things the same. See, Sam Ballard and them was trying to control Nehemiah by keeping things the same. Because really, Sam Ballard and them was making money off the people. And so when, when Nehemiah came on the scene, they was like, Nehemiah coming to mess up our money. And if you mess with somebody's money, guess what? They're going to try to shut you down. They'll shut you down real quick. Let me shut them down. Let me let me let me let me let me send these let me send this request so they can meet me so I can hurt them or let me send this request so um, I, let me send this rumor out. But the truth doesn't have to defend itself. The truth will never have to defend itself. And the scripture says, "You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free." Some some verses some some Bible say make you free, but when you know the truth, it'll set you free from the rumors and the criticisms of other people. And so let's look, at, let's look at what Nehemiah did with some criticism, with Sam Ballard and them. Turn to Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 19 through 20. See, your vision will die at the hand of the critic if you do not respond appropriately. Your vision will die at the hand of, a, of the critic if you, if you don't respond appropriately. And so we're going to see how Nehemiah responded to Sam Ballard and them. So y'all ready? It says this. It says, when Sam Ballard... The Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite, official, and Jeshem the Arab had, had heard about it. They laughed at us, mocking us, saying, Hi, what do you think you're doing? Do you think you can cross the king? See, a lot of times when, when our vision is there, people like laughing like, <laughs> They can't do that. Who they think they are? What? They from where? Axis, Creola, Theodore, Mobile. It's such a small city. But I, I, I serve a God that can do anything, anywhere, anytime, with any population of people. And he can exceed that population of people. See, God is going to call this house to be bigger than the community. Amen. So Nehemiah says this. Listen, verse 20. Verse 20 says this. Now, now I'm, I'm going to read it from you from the message version. It's, 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 it's very typical of what Nehemiah would have said. It says this. I shot back. Now, he wasn't shooting guns now. He wasn't shooting people. But he shot back, he shot back with his mouth, all right? So don't think Nehemiah was out shooting 
Sambalad and them because Nehemiah needs Sambalad and them to, to help his vision come true. See, you can't shoot, you can't shoot the critic. Don't, don't shoot your critics because you need your critics because your critics help you become better. Your critics help you become better. So Nehemiah, Nehemiah says this, I shot back, the God of heaven will make, make sure we succeed. Did you hear him? The God of heaven will make sure we succeed. We're his servants and we're going to work rebuilding. You can keep your nose out of it. You, you get no say in this. Jerusalem's none of your business. So that's how Nehemiah responded. Now, if Nehemiah was in today's term, that's how Nehemiah would have responded. But let's see what it says in the KJV. It says, Then I answered them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build. But ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. So basically what he says is, it ain't, it ain't none of your business. It's, not, it's none of your concern what God has placed on my heart to do for Jerusalem. See, we have to take that same mindset when it comes to our vision. It's none of your concern. It's not your concern. And we don't have to do it to be rude, but it's none of their concern. The vision that God has placed on your heart is for you, for God to work through you to fulfill. It's not, it's not for God to work through them to fulfill. It's God to work through you to fulfill. So, so we, we have to respond better. Everybody say respond better. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. Because this, this is not the only time Sinbalad and them was trying to, trying to get Nehemiah off his game. So Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. And it says this, for time's sake. I'm reading from the message version, and then I'll read it from the KJV. It says, when Sinbalad heard that we were building the wall... He exploded in anger. See, isn't it crazy how when somebody can hear something great that you're doing and they'll explode in anger? That's insecurities. So we can't allow other people's insecurities to affect us. You can't allow somebody else's insecurities to affect you because if you take on somebody else's insecurities as your insecurities, guess what's going to happen? The vision not going to come true. The vision not going to come to pass. And then you're going to be looking at God like, God, why the vision ain't come to pass? He's going to say because you took on their insecurities. So we can't take on the insecurities of others. So when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he exploded in anger, vilifying the Jews. In the company of his Samaritan cronies and military, he let loose. What are these miserable Jews doing? Do they think they can get everything back to normal overnight? Make building stones out of make-believe? At his side, Tobiah the Ammonite jumped in and said, that's right. What do they think they're building? Why, if a fox climbed that wall, it would fall to pieces under his weight. See, you criticize what you don't know. Now, now basically what Tobiah was saying was, basically if, if, if you look at it, he was saying insecurity, 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 insecurity. Because his insecurities were coming out. Because when you criticize something you don't know, that's just your insecurity coming out. Now, now, now Nehemiah knew better to, to build a wall of sand to where a fox can jump on it and it tumble down. Right? And so, and, so, and so Nehemiah responded the right way to Sanballat and them. You have to do the same thing when it comes to your vision for your life, for your family for your dreams, for your goals, for where God, where God has told you that you will go. You got to do the same thing. You got to respond correctly. 
You can't shoot back and, and say something negative. You got to respond correctly. You got to understand who you are. And you got to understand that God is working through you and God gave you the vision. You didn't give yourself the vision. God gave you the vision. So when you understand that God gave you the vision, then you will start to think differently. Everybody say, think differently. This is what Gandhi says. You, you probably be like, Gandhi in church? This is what Gandhi says. He says, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. First they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. So vision is opposition because they ignore you like, oh, they ain't going to do nothing. Then they see it happening, they laugh at you like, oh, it ain't going to succeed. Then they try to fight you by sending rumors, and guess what happens after that? You win. You win. And so God, God has called us to win. God has called us to win. The number, sec- the number second way. Sounds crazy. The number second. The number second way. The number, the, <laughs> the second way that vision attracts opposition. I was trying to say the number second way. I'm going to have to make that up. The number second way. If I mean, we liberty though, right? Liberty here? No? I can't say the number second way. That's the vision, right? The number second way. The second way to say it properly, people probably judging us on our English. That church, the new beginning, that pastor, that new beginning, don't know how to. I'm the real pastor, and I'm here. I'm here. I'm going to be here, and I'm the real pastor. I'm saying the number second way. But the second way that vision attracts opposition is vision attracts resistance to change. Vision attracts resistance to change. When God gives you a vision that is bigger than you, there are some people around you who will resist the change. Yep, it's going to happen. There's going to be some people around you that's going to resist the change. Why do they resist the change? Resistance to the vision isn't always bad. Resistance to the vision isn't always bad. Now, when you go to the gym and when you're working out, you're doing resistance training. And so when you're doing resistance training... The more you do that resistance training, the bigger your muscles get. Because what happens in resistance is your muscles tear. So it seems like, it seems like, man, my muscles are torn. They're not going to grow. But torn things grow. And see, in order for us to get the oil out of the olive, we have to crush it. And so when we understand that resistance isn't always a bad thing, then we will say, okay, God, I understand that this resistance, see, Thank you, Holy Spirit. See, when we allow resistance to, to, when we change our perspective to resistance being a, when we make resistance a bad thing, guess what's going to happen? It's going to be a bad thing. And we're going to see all the negative effects of it. Meanwhile, on the other side, we're gonna, there's going to be growth happening. Because when you are training, when you are in the gym, when you're working out, when, you're, when you are tearing your muscles, you're building room for bigger muscles. You're building room for stronger muscles. So when there is resistance to change, then that means that you are, yes, it hurts. But on the other side of that pain, there is growth. And so vision brings resistance to change. See, resistance builds strength. When you face resistance, you are going in the right direction. See, if you go to the gym and you just do one curl and you don't really feel nothing, you're wasting your time, you're wasting your money. So resistance, resistance builds strength. Everyone, listen to this, everyone loves change until something changes. Everyone loves change. Change sounds beautiful. It sounds magnificent. But the moment something changes, 
Because what, what, see, change also speaks to insecurities too. Change speaks to insecurity. Because when you're tied to doing it one way and doing it just one way and one way and one way and one way and one way, it becomes traditional and non-effect. It, it has no effect. When you, see, see, when you go to the gym and you continue to do the same workouts the same way every week, every day, you're going you're gonna to build muscle, of course, but you're going to get to a moment where you plateau. And it's not going, your body is going to be used to it now. And so we have to change in order for our body to break from that plateau. You ever hit a, you ever, you ever been going hard at your goals and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you hit a wall and you're like, what happened? I was doing really well. I was seeing change. I, I diet was going great. I was looking good. And I just hit a wall. You hit a wall because you've been doing the same thing over and over again. See, God, God, we can't do the same thing over and over again and expect change. Because change will never happen if we keep doing the same thing over again. And so we have to, we have to, we have to change. And I get it. I get it. Change is scary. Change is scary. The, the unknown is uncontrollable. No one likes what they can't control. So if I can't control it, no one, no one likes that. No one likes what I can't control. If I can't control this, if I'm not in control, guess what? I'm scared. You scared when you're not in control. If you're not in control of your car, are you, are you, are you uh, like, yeah, I got control of my car? Are you like, what's about to happen? So, so we are scared when we are not in control. As long as you respond to resistance, to change by evaluating your potential, you will be tempted to give up. As long as you respond to resistance to change by evaluating your potential, you will be tempted to give up. See, when, when, there ch when change is in the air and you evaluate your potential, it goes back to those valid criticisms. Am I, am I educated for this? Am, am I chosen for this? Am, do, do, I have, do I have what it takes to, to, to be great? See, that, that resistance to change will make you question your potential. And then when you question your potential, you will constrict. You will constrict to your question. And your potential will be limited. But the scripture says what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The scripture says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So when I live by the promises of the word, then I don't have to worry about the problems of the world. Did you hear me? When I live by the promises of the word, I don't have to worry about the problems of the world. And so when the world says, oh, they changing? Oh, it's not going to stay the same. I can't listen to them. So Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. We cannot respond to resistance to change by evaluating our potential. So this is what Philippians 1 and 6 says. It says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So Jesus has already started a good work in you. So since he started a good work in you, he's going to perform that work. So since he's going to perform that work, then that means that I don't have to question my potential. I don't have to question if I have what it takes because God has given me the vision and God is going to bring that vision to life. It's not going to lie. It's going to come to pass. And so it's important that we don't respond to resistance to change the wrong way. The number third way, y'all listening, 
Y'all listening, y'all listening. I got y'all. The number third way. The third way that vision attracts opposition is vision attracts distractions. Vision attracts distractions. How does vision attract distractions? See, distraction, distraction delays multiplication. Distraction delays multiplication. And the enemy has got a lot of us distracted so we're not able to multiply the kingdom of God because we're distracted. We gotta worry about what's over here, we gotta worry about what's over here, we gotta worry about what's over there, over there, over here, over here, over here. And guess what? We are pulled in by 10 different directions. See, I was just reading this this morning and this book was talking about how there are these things called super pastors. What is a super pastor? A super pastor does the wedding, does the sermon prep, does the sermon, does the funeral, goes to the hospital, does the evangelism, does discipling, does everything. And so they're pulled in so many different directions that they can focus on what God has told them to focus on. So God has called us to teach you all so you can do the work of the ministry. That's the role of a pastor. The role of a pastor isn't to do everything in the ministry. Because if that's the case, then pastor's going to be burnt out. And that's why a lot of pastors are burning out, because they're trying to do everything. That ain't me. That ain't me, because God has placed creative and brilliant people in you around me to help carry out the vision and help carry out the goals of the house. And so that's not me. I can't, I'm not going to be a super pastor. I'm not going to be super pastor, Pastor Jay. I'm going to have an S on my chest, an SP on my chest, and a Bible under my, under my arm. I can't be a super pastor. So, so vision, vision attracts distraction. See, there is a general distrust of those who are trying to do anything new or innovative, especially if they claim to be doing it for the reason other than personal growth. So the enemy doesn't like it when you're not doing it for your good. See, when you're doing it, when you say, this is bigger than me and I'm doing it for the good of others, then the enemy like, nah, I got to distract that. And so that's what the enemy would try to do. He would try to distract you from your vision. So there are always going to be accusations when you are focused on accomplishing a the goal. There will always be accusations when you are focused on accomplishing a goal. So those accusations are going to come and it's going to make you distracted if you focus on the accusations. But if you focus on the one who gave you the vision and not the accusations, then you won't be distracted. Because what, what happens when you're distracted? See, the, the scripture says a kingdom that is divided against itself, it won't stand. It goes for, it goes for a church. When the church is divided against itself, it's going to fall. So if, if, I, if I have a building, if we were to cut this building in half, would it stand? Now it's going to fall. It's going to fall. Now we may, we may have these A-frames left, but if we cut it in half right down the middle, it's going to fall. When you cut a tree in half, it's going to fall because it's divided against itself. But when the tree is together and is standing in vision together, then it, it, it relies on the strength of the whole tree. See, the reason that it can fall when it's cut in half because it doesn't have the strength of the whole. It's been cut in half. And so God wants us to have the strength of the whole when it comes to our vision so we can stand and do what God has called us to do. So Nehemiah chapter 6 Verses 1 through 9. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 9. I know I'm over time. But give me a few more minutes and we'll, 
We'll close this out. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 9. And I'm going to read it for time's sake. It says this. It says, when Sambalat and them. Nobody caught that. When, now it came to pass, when Sambalat and Tobiah and Jeshem the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall and that, they were, that there was no breach left therein, though at the time I had not set up the doors upon the gates, that Sambalat and Jeshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. And I sent message unto, unto them, saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. And why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? Yeah, yet, yeah. Yet they sent unto me four times after that this source and this sort, and I answered them after the same manner. So he kept telling them the same thing. I'm doing a great work, can't come down. Then, then sent Sambalat his servant unto me in, in like manner the fifth time with an open letter in his hand. Wherein was written, it is reported among the heathen, heathen and Gashmu saith it, that thou and the Jews think to rebel, for which cause thou buildest, buildest thou the wall, that thou mayest be their king according to these words. And thou hast also appointed prophets to preach of thee at Jerusalem, saying, There is a king in Judah, and now shall it be reported to the king according to these words. Come now, therefore, and let us take counsel. Then I sent unto them, saying, There are no such things done as thou sayest, but, the feignest them, but thou feignest them out of thine own heart. For all they made us afraid, saying, for they all made us afraid, saying, Their hands shall be weakened, weakened from the work, that it be not done. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. So what, what, what is all of that saying? Basically what happened is they kept sending, they kept sending to him to say, Okay, look, come down from this wall, meet with us. So when he didn't, when he said, I'm doing a great work, I can't come down, they was like, Okay, we gotta come a different route. So what was a different route? They came up with accusations. They kept, they kept making up lies and rumors, saying, okay, well, you made this governor, uh, you made yourself a governor, and you spoke prof you had prophets speaking this and that and that and that. And so what happened was they was trying to distract Nehemiah from completing the wall. See, a lot of times the enemy will send things that distract you from completing your vision because he knows if your vision comes to pass, it's going to mess up his kingdom. And so you got to keep going. You got to keep going. You got to keep doing the great work. You can't come down. And so the question becomes, the question becomes, how do I handle opposition to my vision? How do I handle opposition to my vision? Number one, I pray. Number one, I pray. This is what Nehemiah chapter four, verse four through five says. Nehemiah prayed. Now this is what, this is, if you remember, if you remember, the enemy hating on this message. If you remember Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1 through 3, um, Sambalat and them was talking about Nehemiah. They was making jokes. So this is what Nehemiah said when he prayed. Nehemiah prayed, oh, listen to us, dear God. We're so despised. Boomerang their ridicule on their heads. Have their enemies cart them off as war trophies to a land of no return. Don't forgive their iniquity. Don't wipe away their sin. They've insulted the builders. So Nehemiah, instead of focusing on the ones who were criticizing him, he focused on the one who called them by praying to him, by having a relation, by talking to him. And so that has to be our same mindset. We have to take our mind from, from 
who criticizes us to who called us. And so that's why we have to pray. Number two, number two, number two, remember the source of your vision. Remember the source of your vision. Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 14 says this, And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. So we have to remember the vision. We have to remember the source of your vision. Where does your vision come from? If your vision comes from yourself, it's a project. But when your vision comes from God, you have to remember the source of the vision when opposition comes. Lastly, 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 number three, we have to revise the plan. Everybody say revise the plan. Now, now, I don't know if you all are any basketball fanatics, but I like basketball, right? Right? I like LeBron James, the Lakers, AD. We're going to win the championship this year in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> and we just spoke that into existence. But when a basketball player has a ball in his hands and he has taken all of the steps that he can take, he has a pivot foot. And so he can move off that pivot foot, but he can't pick up that pivot foot, right? Because if he picks up that pivot foot, they will call him for traveling, right? He won't forfeit the game, but they'll, they'll, they'll call him for traveling if he picks up this pivot foot. The same goes for your vision. When, when, see, visions are set, but plans can change. And so when your plans change, you just have to pivot. See, when, when, when Nehemiah, when they were trying to come at Nehemiah, because in the story they were going to try to come at Nehemiah from all different places, Nehemiah said, okay, we got to pivot. And so how did they pivot? They pivoted like this. It says in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 7 through 9, Now it happened when Samballot and Nim, I'm going to just, just say that. Now I'm, I'm going to say the names for you. Now it happened when Samballot, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashadites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they, be, that they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God, and because of them, we set watch against them day and night. So basically what happened was they had an AK-47 in one hand, and they had a brick in the other hand. And so, yeah, I said that. Yeah, we are in 2020. Well, if we go back to that day, they had a, they had a sword and a battle axe in one hand, they had a brick in the other hand building working. And so when it comes to opposition, we, we don't have to necessarily change the vision. We just got to change the plan. See, and if you have a failed plan, that doesn't mean you have a failed vision. So because your plans will always change, but your vision won't change because your vision is from God, because your vision is bigger than you. And so when my vision is bigger than me, then yes, I'm going to have to pivot sometimes. I'm going to have to do something different sometimes. And basically, Nehemiah called them on their bluff because they was like, oh, man, they got AK-47 in one arm, and they got bricks in the other hand building the wall. So they retreated because they made a pivot. They made a change in their plans. And then when they retreated, they were able to go back to full speed building the wall. And guess what happened? They finished the wall in 52 days. How did they do that? 
They work together. So when we work together, we can do anything. Remember I said we're going to move like the tsunami instead of moving like raindrops? We're going to move like the tsunami because when you move like the tsunami, you can move anything. Amen. Let's give God some praise in this place. So remember to pray. Remember the source of your vision and revise your plan. And always know that just because you have a change in plans doesn't mean that your vision has failed. A failed plan does not mean a failed vision. Failed vision, amen. If you would stand to your feet this morning. God has called this house to be multi. Multi-generational, multicultural, multi-ethnic, multiplying. That's what God has called this house to do. That's what God has called this house to be. So you are, you are, you are standing in the headquarters. Standing in the headquarters. Part of the headquarters, because we're going to build a bigger facility, because we're going to outgrow this place. I'm telling you all, we're going to outgrow this place. Hear me. Hear me. We're going to outgrow this place. But how will we outgrow this place? We got to work together. We got to invite people. I can't be the only one invite people. Lady Pilar can't be the only one inviting people. Mom can't be the only one inviting people. We got to invite people. 